At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith lived in community. So some of y'all remember way back in the day, this was way back, like a couple years, whatever, um, but I was candidating to be your campus pastor. Right, And as I was going through that, I'd already been preaching to you for a few months at that point. I, had, I didn't know that I was going to be candidating to be a campus pastor. But I told you guys a little bit about myself, and I said I love talking about Jesus. Right, I love it. I love seeing life change. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, gets a hold of I love life change. But then I shared the hard part. I said, you know what, what I don't like and what I struggle with is, is really talking about my own struggles. I struggle with that, uh, especially like struggles I'm having right now. Like I really struggle with that. So some of you guys know that I went on vacation last week, right? We went to the UP. I'll share a little bit more about that in just a moment. Uh, but uh, here's what hit me on vacation is that uh, I, I was tired, really, really, really tired. I didn't realize how tired I was. And Amy probably realized how tired I was, um, but I, I was really tired, and so I just, I want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for the grace to let me go for a week. I want to thank Ben. Ben did, do you realize, guys, that was his first time to ever preach on a Sunday morning? That was his first time, and it was remarkable. I was watching online. Ben did just a phenomenal job. I'm so thankful just for his service, his leadership. It was um, so well done. Speaking of it, I, I am thankful for our staff team. Our entire staff, they are so faithful day in, day out. Did you see the guy who stood over here and sang the second song this morning? That's Skyler. He's one of our interns. And Kip is working with him all throughout the week just to help develop him and encourage him. Just a great, great staff team who works. But I, I also want to thank you because this is a world that we live in where the world is so divided and so angry at each other. And um, our, our world's not handling things well. And yet you all come through these doors and you are so selfless in your posture. You are so compassionate with each other. You are so loving. You are so gracious. And I just want to say thank you because you make it such a joy to serve. You make it such a joy to be your pastor. And I just greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now, I don't think, I don't think I'm the only one who's felt tension, though. Like, I don't. I don't, I, I don't think I'm the only one who's felt that tired feeling. I think that's something that quite a few of you can identify with because there's unrest, isn't there? There's political unrest. There is medical unrest. There is educational unrest. Anyone else have to figure out what you're going to do with your child's school this year? Like, my son's going to be a senior, and we're sitting there having these family talks. Do, do we have him sit on a computer and do school from online, or do we have him go in person? But if he goes in person, he can't even get the classes that he really wants and needs for graduation, and then he's got to wear a mask all day, and how are we supposed to? There's unrest. There's medical unrest. There's spiritual unrest. There is spiritual unrest that's permeating everything, because we start to ask questions. How, the number one question I hear, Pastor... When do you think things will get back to normal? Right? That's the number one question. And uh, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Right? How am I supposed to answer that? And uh, then they'll say, well, pastor, what do you think the new normal will look like? You know, I don't, I don't know that one either. 
And then they get to the one that I, I, I kind of know something about because then we start to think through all the things we used to do like before five months ago. But then there's some things that in your life you kind of shed, haven't you? Some of you've had to with all the stay-at-home orders and everything else. You're like, well, I used to have to do this thing all the time. And then I figured out I don't have to do this thing. And I kind of like not having to do this thing. And my schedule's a little more calm. And my life feels a little more balanced now. And then so people start to ask, hey, how important is it to go to church? How, in fact, the question I want us to wrestle with today is how important is it for us to praise God together? How important is it for us to stop on a weekly basis and praise God together. That's what I want us wrestling with today. So in the UP, we got to see some things that we'd only seen pictures of, like pictured rocks. I'd only seen pictures of pictured rocks, so we got to see them in person. What we did, we crossed the bridge. I'd never crossed the bridge before, right? But I crossed, it's a little freaky, isn't it? Like a little creepy. So you cross the bridge, and the bridge is doing all this stuff, and you're like, hey, this is great. And you get across the bridge, and we stayed in St. Ignace for two days, and we got to go to the island, and we got to smell the horses. And eat, did I say that right? Smell the horses, eat the fudge. That's what we did. We didn't eat any horses and smell the fudge. Anyway, um, it was fun, right? The island is fun, so we did that for a day. And then we went up to Marquette. We, we did. We went up to Marquette, and uh, that's when we took the little drive over to Pictured Rocks, and we did some hiking and stuff. Well, one day, we ate dinner, and we went down to the water, which we had seen kids before. When you drive around, there's an island, like a little island area, a park, and when you drive around that park area, you see these kids, and they're jumping in the water. It's Lake Superior water. Y'all, I put my hand in. I said, no, I'm good. Like, that's... It's how many kids, we have kids in here, right? We have kids? Oh my goodness. Okay. We have kids in here, right? All right. We have kids. Kids, how many of you guys, if the water's cold, you're still going to go swimming anyway? Raise your hands. Wait, how old are, how old are you two? Uh-huh. He goes, he goes, yeah, I'm 17. And, um. I mean, when I say kids not having feeling, normally I'm thinking like seven, but I guess 17 also don't feel any cold, right? Like, no feeling, you're going for it. Right on. Okay, so, I, so I'm watching this and I'm going, how do they do that? It's like there's no feeling receptors in their bodies. They just jump in the water. Maybe a doctor can help me understand how kids can just jump in and go for it and they're happy as can be. So we, we ate dinner and we're sitting near this little marina area with this... I don't even know what that thing is called where the ore used to be dumped and it looks like something off Star Wars. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, we're sitting right there and we're watching all these kids jump in the water. And all of a sudden as we're watching, there's this guy who's old. Like he's older than me, so he's really old. And he's, he's jumping in the water swimming. And Amy just stops and looks at him and she goes, hey, how's the water? And he goes, it's great. It feels like real water. What's that mean? <laughs> Does that mean like a thousand needles hitting you at once? Is that real? Because if so, I don't need real water in my life. I'm pretty freaking miss. I like the heater on my swimming pool. 90 degrees is a great swimming temperature. It feels like a bathtub, right, Amy? Bathtub water feels so good, you know? And, but he's swimming. He says it feels like real water. But here's what I want to point to. 
something about us watching him experience this made us stop. And in the middle of a pandemic, start to talk to a complete stranger. Why? Because there was something about his life experience that we wanted to know more about. There's something about what he was doing that was outside of the cultural norms. There's something about what he was doing where it's like, no, this is worth me stopping to discover more. And I bring that up just to say, church, we can never underestimate the importance of us meeting together. You can never underestimate that. We can never underestimate the witness of our collective worship. In fact, I would say it this way. God uses our collective worship to continue to advance his kingdom. Even though that's not even why we come together, right? That's not even what it's about. And yet, when we come together and we collectively worship together, the Lord uses that to continue to advance his kingdom. Let's take our Bibles, open up to Psalm 145 this morning. Psalm 145, we're going to look how every season, every day, God is to be praised. Every season, every day, God is to be praised. So how important is it to praise God together? You know, there are people in your world right now who are asking that. And you've noticed this. People are ramped up in all the directions right now, aren't they? So there's going to be people around you ramped up saying, hey, churches shouldn't meet in person. There's a pastor down south who said so. And, and he said, only online. You know, and only in small groups, but never as a big group. And then there's going to be people saying, no, that's wrong. There's another pastor out west. And remember what life was like when we had every other row has been removed in here, just so you know. Remember when we used to just jam in here like sardines? And downstairs, y'all remember, like the overflow room was overflowed, right? Sardines. That's why we're building a building, right? And so we were so packed in here. There's a pastor out west who says, we're just going to pack us in right now. We don't care what anybody says. We're going to pack us in. So which way is right? And when that person comes to you and they're all ramped up, here's my encouragement. Don't argue with them. Don't get angry. Don't, don't debate. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to pause and take a step back. And I just want you to recognize something. They're talking about it. Church, if they're talking about it, they've been thinking about it. And you know what that means? That means the Holy Spirit has gone before you. The Holy Spirit is already working on this individual. And so my encouragement is, don't try to say, well, this guy's right or that guy's right. Go to the Word of God. My hope is that Psalm 145 is such an encouragement to you today and shows you how to have that conversation in a healthy way. That's my hope for you. So Psalm 145, let me set the stage. Psalm 145 is the last of the Psalms written by David. David wrote a whole pile of Psalms. This is the last one. This is the last of eight acrostic Psalms. An acrostic Psalm. An acrostic is a poem that's like A, B, C, D, like each letter of the alphabet. It'd be like A, apples are soon going to be harvested in Michigan. B, bountiful Bountiful apples will be gathered. See, children will laugh and play as they drink their cider and eat their donut. Whatever, I'm not a poet, but you get the point. Each one starts a different sentence. Well, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each line of this poem is a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Why would they do that? Well, there's two reasons. One, makes it a lot easier to memorize, doesn't it? 
I mean, even as I was going ABC, you saw how easy it would be to memorize what I just said, just because it's ABC. But number two is it shows us the completeness of the message of the Lord. What I mean by the completeness, so often we look at the Lord as someone who is A to B. We look at the Lord as someone like, Lord, I've got some job stuff I got to sort through with this COVID crisis, and I got to figure out what to do with my small business because I've got some decisions that's impacting people's lives. Lord, what am I supposed to do? And we look at the Lord in that singular moment. And yet, when an acrostic poem does, is it says he is the alpha, he is the omega, and he is everything in between. That's what we want to see. So we're going to dive in, and we're going to look at Psalm 145. David here is not asking for anything. Sometimes when you pray, you ask God for things, don't you? And he's not confessing anything. Sometimes when we pray, we say, Lord, forgive me for it, right? Sometimes we do that. What he's doing, he's simply reflecting on God. And he's praising him. Let's look at it. Psalm 145, verse 1. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. Make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. And you give them food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So what happens when we praise God? What happens? We'll look back at verse 1 again. Go back all the way to verse 1. It starts with singular. Kids, anytime you hear singular, it means single. A single means one, right? It starts with I. I will extol. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever. Every day, I. I will bless you, church it starts with recognizing God for who he is. When you recognize God for who he is, your response to God is worship. That's what worship is. Worship is our response to the holiness, to the workings, to the ways of God. Now, this is so important. Worship has nothing to do with your circumstance. Do you know why? Because God doesn't change. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And so God, the worship of God, doesn't change because all of a sudden finances are tight or there's COVID going on or I'm stressed out or the worship of God doesn't change in the midst of all that. Here's, I think, one of the best pictures in Scripture is in Acts 16. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas, they show compassion on this little girl, right? And, and they, they healed this little girl that was oppressed. It was a, a beautiful act of compassion. And then what happened? The crowd got mad. The crowd stripped them down. They beat them with rods. They put them in stocks. They were tortured. They were put in a prison. Here's a gut punch question. How would you handle persecution? And when I say persecution, I don't mean they rough talk you on Facebook. Like that's not, that's not persecution. No, I mean if you were beaten for your faith, if you were put in prison for your faith, how would you respond? What would your tweet look like the next day? That's, that's hard because I look in the mirror and I think, oh, I don't know if I'd say anything. I don't know what I would say. I know what I hope I would say. I know how I hope I would. I hope I would respond like verse 25 of Acts 16. This says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. It was about midnight. What were they singing? What were they, maybe Psalm 145, we don't know. We just know that they said, here's something horrible that happened to us, but God is still good. God is still on his throne. Our God has not changed. And, and I don't know, maybe if Silas was by himself, this scene wouldn't have been the same. I, I don't know. What I do know is they were joined together, weren't they? And they were singing those praises together. And it was never their intention. Their intention was to glorify the Lord, just to respond to his greatness. But all of a sudden, did you see all the prisoners heard what happened? And then look at this next part. I love this, verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And the jailer called for lights and he rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Verse 32, And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. They praised God. Their minds were not on their circumstances, but they were focused on the Lord. And did you see what happened because of that? What happened because of that was not just this jailer, but it was everyone who was in the jailer's home heard truth. The gospel has been forcefully advancing from John the Baptist until now, church. Because here's what happens. When we come together, when we join together and we focus our worship and our adoration on the centrality of who Jesus Christ is in our lives, it's going to reverberate past here, isn't it? Those ripples continue. It's going to flood into your workplace. It's going to flood into your family. It's going to flood into your friendships. It's going to flood to your barista. It can't help it because it's just an overflow of who we are. That's what we need. See, Paul needed this worship. Silas needed this focus on the centrality of who God is. David, in Psalm 145, church, you need it too. And I need it too, because otherwise we start to become so focused in our circumstances, don't we? Just like that. We're focused on all the junk and all the funk going on around us. 
That's what they're showing us. Psalm 145 is also going to show us why God should be praised. Because we know that every season, every day we praise him. But why do we praise him? We praise him because we recognize who he is. So get your Bibles again. Get ready because I'm going to start in verse 1 and I'm going to go quickly. I'm just going to read to you everything King David said. Everything that David said in this psalm about who God is. Look at verse 1. He says our God's personal. He says my God. He's in God's personal. I want you to know that God is personal. He knows your name. He's a personal God. Our God is king. Verse 3, our God is great. Our God is unsearchable. Verse 4, our God is active. I want you to know our God is active. I know there's stuff going on in your life and the lives of those around you. And sometimes you're wondering, where's God? What's God doing? I want you to know that that's what's promised, right? Our God is an active God. He is on the move. He's active. We see that our God in verse 5 is glorious. Verse 7, our God is good. Our God is righteous. Verse 8, he's gracious. He is merciful. Our God is love. Verse 11, our God reigns. Verse 11, or verse 13, our God is everlasting. Verse 14, he's faithful. He lifts up the broken. He upholds the humble. Verse 15, our God supplies. Verse 16, our God is generous. Our God satisfies. Verse 17, our God is kind. Sometimes, sometimes during the week, people interact with you and they're not very nice. Have you seen that? At the grocery store, they might be mean. On Facebook, they might be mean. On Twitter, they're vicious. Like they're, they're pretty horrible on there. Right? People aren't always kind. Here's what this says. It says our God is kind. Church, here's my expectation of you. Be kind. You can be just. And you can stand for absolute 100% truth. Unwavering truth. And you can be kind. Our God is kind. Our God is near. Our God is omniscient. Verse 19, our God is listening. Do you hear that? Our God is listening. He hears your prayer. Our God saves, verse 20, he is a protector. He does what is right because he is just because of who my God is. Verse 21, look at verse 21 again. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. That's awesome. Based on who God is, what other response is there? Who else are you going to praise? I, with my lips, will praise the Lord. So here's what I want you to do. Normally, I have a pattern to my sermons. Have you noticed? It's like, yeah, Billy's going to say hello. He's going to tell a little story. He's going to read the scripture, and he's going to talk a whole bunch about that scripture. And then he gives us, like, the application at the end. All right, that's kind of my pattern. But I'm going to mess it all up today. I'm going to give you the application right now. So get your pencils. Get ready. Get your pen. Get your phone to write down the note. Here's your note. This week, what I want you to do in your devotion time, whether it's a morning devotion, evening devotion, afternoon, doesn't matter what time. I want you to write down in your journal, my God is dot, dot, dot. You can do that, right? My God is dot, dot, dot. And then what I want you to do is as you're reading scripture this week, whatever you're reading, I want you to fill in your journal with my God is. And then you'll fit, my God is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my shield. He is my salvation. He is love. He is compassionate. He is holy. He is above all things. I want you to write down who your God is based on what scripture says, based on your prayer life, based on what you're seeing him do around you. My God is. And then just for fun, take the list that you make 
and compare it to Psalm 145? That would be fun, right? Just to see, like, how does your list compare to David's list? If you were the psalmist, what would your song look like? But I think even more important is what do our lives look like? We want to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Jesus Christ, he showed how to perfectly live this out because he trusted the Heavenly Father in the wilderness, didn't he? He trusted the Heavenly Father and he worshiped him with every single sermon, with every miracle, with every healing, on the road to Jerusalem, on the cross, in the garden, at the resurrection, Jesus' life was ever-present praise to the Father. David, David made a great list. It's a wonderful list, but David blew it all the time, didn't he? You read through David's life, and you're like, David, how do you say these things and recognize God for who he is and then constantly blow it? But church, you're going to make your list this week. It's going to be a great list. It's going to be a beautiful list. And then you're going to look in the mirror, and you're going to say, man, I've blown it. Why do I see God for who he is and I constantly blow it? Why is that? That's the beautiful truth of the gospel. The beautiful truth of the gospel is you're not saved. You're not made right with God because of what you do, but it's because of what he has done. It is through our faith in Christ. It's through your faith in Christ that you're saved. Right? Not what we do. It's what Jesus has done. So is there anyone else worthy of our worship and praise? Yeah, no, not even close. But this is why we continue to focus on the word. It's why we continue to focus on who God is. It's why we continue to come together. Because when you truly recognize who he is, you can't help but tell other people about it. You can't help but worship. Finally, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at in this song how we are to praise God. How we're to praise him. Look at verse 1. It says in verse 1 that we're to bless God's name forever and ever, to bless it. Verse 2, same thing. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever. This, this in the Old Testament would have been that father-son relationship. You've read so many times in the Old Testament, right, where the father would be there and he would give a blessing to his son. Here's what would happen. The son would come on his knees before the father. And the father would not only pray over to bless his son, but then it's like, and here is your blessing to go. Like, I'm also going to give you gifts in this blessing. In the New Testament, we are called heirs of the Most High. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. I love how Paul says in Ephesians 1. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen what he says. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Isn't that cool? We have been blessed. We have been put on us every spiritual blessing. And yet, David says that we're going to bless God. How does, how does that, not in a father-son relationship, but how does that work? How does he bless us and we bless him? How does that work? Because when we center our lives on the Lord, listen, this is so good. We center our lives on the Lord. What that allows us to do is respond to him with praise, respond to him with trust, to come together and sing our songs. Do you listen to what you sing? Do you listen to what you declare? It's powerful, recognizing God for who he is, for what he's doing in our lives. 
And then we start to tell others. We truly have this place of offering our bodies as living sacrifices. That's how we bless God. And then not only do we bless his name, we also praise him through meditation. Look at verse 5. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I meditate. I me meditate's a funny word, isn't it? Meditate. It doesn't mean to sit with your legs crossed. You know, just, that's not what it means. Meditate means to think about it. It means to dwell on it. It means to ponder it. In the Old Testament, this word literally was the cow chewing up his food. All right, that's the literal, that's the literal picture. If you're going, I don't, I don't get that, the cow chewing the food. Okay, I'm from Oklahoma, y'all. <laughs> I'm originally from here, so let me tell you something about cows. Cows have four Four little pockets in their stomach, right? Four, four areas for the stomach. And here's why it's important, because a cow will put a big old munch of food in its mouth, and it's going to chew it up, right? But it doesn't chew very good, and then it just swallows it all down. Kids, don't be like the cow. Take little bites. Little bites, kids. Take a little bite, and you'll want to chew your food real, real good because you don't want to be like a cow because a cow just swallows it all. And then it gets down here in the stomach, and this first chamber of the stomach, it starts munching the food for the cow. How gross is that? And so then, you think that's gross? Wait till you hear this. Four chambers. Here's what the first chamber does. It sends it back to the mouth. Yeah. What's for lunch today, y'all? So it sends it back to the mouth, and that cow is going to take it, and you're going to chew on it some more. Mm -mm. And it's going to swallow it down. It goes to the second chamber, right? And it's working, working, working. And it sends it back. And it keeps this process going until it goes to the amecium. The amecium of the cow then will take all the nutrients, every last nutrient, and send it all out into the bloodstream into the cow. We're told to meditate on God's word. That means we chew on it. We think on it. We dwell on it. It's not five minutes of devotion time in the morning and you're done with God for the day. It's not one hour on Sunday and I check that holy box and I'm done. No, it's, it's every day. Day in, day out, I'm chewing on it. I'm thinking about it. I'm dwelling on it. I swallow it down a little bit and I'm going to chew some more. And I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep that word of God until I squeeze every last nutrient and in my body. I want to be totally consumed with the Word of God. Isn't that awesome? That's what we're told to do. And when you get to that place, you end up with a place that you can't help share it with others. See, I, evangelism, I think we make evangelism weird sometimes. I don't think it has to be weird. No, let's become consumed with the Word of God. And when you're consumed with the Word of God, you can't help but share it because you're thinking about it all the time. You're dwelling on it all the time. It just comes busting out of your heart. Look at verse 11. It says, They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. We believe kids aren't the future of the church. They're part of the church right now. You know, this is that's pretty awesome. When you look outside, you see that there's a building going on. The carpenters have been hard at work this week, right? I've got some blueprints in my office, actually, of this building. I was able to talk to the uh, uh, pastor who was here when all this was built. And it, it's incredible to think of the legacy that we get to live. Because what happens is people 
generations and generations and generations ago, they were faithful in telling their kids. And their kids were faithful in telling their kids. And their kids were faithful in telling the next generation. And the gospel has continued to advance here at Woodside Romeo. They continues to advance. And um, it's overwhelming. You see, you start at the very beginning of this psalm, and you have the singular I. I will extol you. But then look at the end of it. All flesh will praise your name. All flesh. So I want to encourage you to flip the script on something. Right now, everyone can write 20 sentences on how wacky 2020 has been. That'd be so easy, wouldn't it? Let me tell you about this great pandemic we're facing. Let me tell you about the politics. Let me talk about the finances. Let me talk about this. I mean, we could just go on and on and on. Why don't we just flip it and say this? I have air in my lungs. Praise him. And then we say, you know, we're, we're gathered together today. Praise him. I've been redeemed. I've been freed by the blood of the lamb. Praise him. I'm a minister of the gospel of reconciliation. Praise him. I get the opportunity to not do this alone. We're family. We do this together. Praise him. If you place your faith in Jesus, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise him. He holds you in his righteous right hand. Praise him. No one and nothing can snatch you from his hand. Praise him. Church, we don't focus on our circumstances. We got to lead through them. We have some work to do. But we will continue to come together to assemble and to fix our minds thoughts and our hearts on his ways. Father, we do praise you today. We thank you for who you are, for the work that you continue to do in and through us. Lord, we are humbled to be called your sons and daughters. We thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. Lord, I pray for my brothers or sisters this morning, for anyone who may be watching online, who this has been a very difficult time. Maybe they're tired this morning. Lord, will you breathe fresh wind into their lungs this morning? Don't let us grow weary. Don't let us lose heart. Lord, thank you for the reminder to continue to focus our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.